Friends from Faraway Podcasting presents Ill Will Podcast, written and performed by Keegan Vanderwecken. Ill Will is a horror anthology podcast and is not suited for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Michael. It's, uh, it's Mark. Uh, I know we haven't talked in a few years now, but Mom is, well, she's gone. Um, I've moved back into the house, and I could really use some help getting this place organized. Well, it, it would be nice to hear from you, and you know what? Uh, forget it. Just hope you're doing all right, man. Don't be afraid to send me a text or, or anything, and, um, oh, if this isn't Michael, then just go ahead and ignore... I just want to know that you're okay, Michael. Oh, hello. Uh, kind of you to wait for me to get off the phone before showing yourself. You wouldn't happen to know Michael, would you? Yep, suppose not. Well, either way, I'm ready if you are. I must tell you, even though I am dead, I have no regrets and would do it all again. My name is Ryan Bullock, and I am in love. I remember when I first saw her. We were both attending the same university. There was a large open courtyard in the middle of campus with a sort of amphitheater branching out, perfect for people watching, which I often would do. It wasn't anything creepy. I just enjoyed my homemade lunch here and... As it turned out, you could always see interesting people coming and going within an hour. People like a poor day student in pajamas, wandering out of the library, squinting at the high noonday sun, a professor with mismatched shoes, uh, wildly sprinting up the hill to get to his class, a campus police officer chasing a kid on a segway. All of these are distinct memories, but none are as great as her. She was in a hurry up the stairs with her arms holding tightly to a canvas and easel. As she was taking the large steps, she fell, not a cute clumsy topple, but a real hard fall. The canvas went flying across the courtyard and her dress had caught on the railing and her combat boot firmly kicked me as I reached out to help her up. I apologized as I took my hand back, shaking away the pain of her kick, and I instead went and picked up her painting. It was a dark and dreary piece. I am not, no. I was not an art major. But even I was impressed by the amount of detail on the charcoal piece. It was a depiction of a twisted trunk, tall, stretched, and distorted with what could unmistakably be a face in the bark, the limbs grabbing at the sky like fingers were almost too literal. As the girl brushed herself off, I offered her the canvas. She snatched it away from me without hesitation, and as she hurried away to class, I noticed that she had forgotten the easel. I picked it up and followed her up the hill to her class. In the art building, I saw her disappearing down the stairs. I followed, trying to get her attention, but she took no notice of me. As I got to the bottom of the stairwell, I ran into a lumbering figure. The dude I ran into was, for lack of a better term, weird. Now, I know everyone is allowed to have their clique, but the dude stuck out like a sore thumb to other people I've seen on campus. 
And remember, I've seen a lot of weird people on campus. It wasn't just his poorly dyed black hair, his spiked leather jacket, or his fishnet shirt that made me take notice. Nor was it the stench of cigarette smoke that clouded around him like moths to a flame. It was a sprawling tattoo that branched out across his chest and up his neck. It was a ram with six horns. Absolutely crazy that anyone would put something like that on themselves. I apologized for running into him and went to open the swinging door at the bottom of the stairs. As I put a hand up to push it open, a large hand grabbed mine, pulling it away from the door. The goth had grabbed me. I looked at him and feebly asked what he was doing. He looked at me with his stern brow, then looked at something above us. My eyes followed his gaze, and a glowing sign said, No Entry, Studio in Use. I remember being embarrassed by this, and turned to the dude and explained that I was looking to return the easel to its owner. The goth nodded, took it from me. He didn't say anything, but I knew he would take it to her. I left it with him, and I went home. The next day, I saw her again in the courtyard. I approached her and asked her how her presentation went. She ignored me as she had earpods in, and I waved and got her attention. I knew from the look on her face I had annoyed her. Yet, when she spoke, it was with an accent like nothing I had ever heard before. With a voice so sweet, I could have sworn it came from an angel. I ended up clumsily asking her how her tree project went. At this, she seemed actually interested in talking. As she put her headphones away and we walked to her class together, she excitedly told me that the charcoal drawing was only a rough draft of her real project, which was in the sculpting room on campus. As we descended the stairs to the studio, she asked that I stay outside while she went in. She disappeared behind the door, and a few moments later, the goth emerged. He just glared at me as he came closer, and I saw he was holding something out to me. Uh, it was a slip of paper, and as I reached to grab it, the goth kept a firm grip on it. He said to me, she wanted me to give you this, don't do anything stupid, and finally let go. As I looked at the paper, I saw that it had a phone number on it. I texted the number later that day. We talked about everything and nothing, you know? And I learned her name, and she got to know mine. Her name is Lily. Fitting, isn't it? I invited her to the cafe for lunch that weekend. She agreed, and I soon found myself at the cafe wearing polo and khakis, and I probably looked like such a doofus. I arrived at the coffee shop and did not see Lily, and I wasn't too worried as I had arrived 20 minutes early because I was so anxious. I got a table, and as I sat down, a voice spoke from behind me. It said, don't date Lily. It won't end well for you. I turned around and saw it was the familiar goth. He had twisted around in his seat and was staring daggers at me behind his black t-shades. I'm not joking, you're gonna get hurt. Before I could ask him what he meant, Lily arrived. She greeted me and apologized for running late. I didn't mind and she looked stunning as ever with another dress and combat boots, while her hands and arms were stained with a dull crimson dye. As she sat down, the goth got up, they gave each other a nod, and he left. I didn't think too much about the goth's warning. Lily and I had a wonderful time chatting, and I learned that Lily knows how to make apple cider. We ended up going to the campus orchard to collect apples and then headed to her apartment so she could show me her cider-making skills. Her place was student housing and nothing special, but her living room was covered in canvases. She again apologized and began moving them off the couch so I could sit down. I let her know I could do that, and she started cleaning and slicing the apples while I admired the art. From what I could see, from the multitude of her works, she really likes trees. All of them showed various trees with twisting forms and trunks. Some of them were dead, others were bursting with blossoms and berries. I asked her about them. As she was in the kitchen, she told me that she does love trees and wanted to show it in her artwork. She wanted to show how 
connected to nature she and others can be. I asked what she meant, and she told me a story. It was about her family, and how her family had an orchard back home, and for many generations, they took to helping nurture it and letting it grow. It started out as a wild forest, but eventually grew into a well-known apple orchard. Looking at the art, Lily handed me a glass of cider, and I took a sip. It was delicious. The sweetest cider I ever had. She said the secret was the apples she used. Gala and Honeycrisp apples. As we sat on the couch full of cider and laughter, there was a dip in the conversation, and I went in for a kiss and was met by Lily's hand. She said no and told me to stop. I was confused, but accepted it and apologized. She assured me it wasn't a me thing, it was about her. I told her no worries, that it was my fault, and we made plans for another date. The next weekend, we went to the park and fed the ducks. Or at least, I had planned to feed them, but I was soon taught by Lily that it was actually really bad to feed ducks bread. Our third date was to the farmer's market. We bought jams and bread and had a picnic. Went on a walk, and as the sun began to fade, we were on the bridge holding hands, looking up at the sky, and again laughing. I looked at her, and she stared at me. She let go of my hand and leaned forward with her eyes closed, and I thought she was going to kiss me. I closed my eyes and waited for her lips to touch mine. After a moment, I opened my eyes, and I saw I was alone on the bridge. I was confused. I didn't know what I had done wrong. Lily never answered my phone calls or texts, and I didn't see her on campus. And I was resolved to never seeing her again. But I had to know why. I went looking for her in the art building, and met the goth at the bottom of the stairs. He told me not to go into the art room. I ignored him and walked inside. I found Lily sculpting what to me looked like a live tree with a face carved into the trunk. It looked like her painting had been brought to life. I complimented it, saying I liked how the tree looked like a tree, and the face bit looked like, well, a face. As I got closer, I could see Lily more clearly. Her apron was covered in the clay and paint. She thanked me and explained that she was carrying on a family tradition. I asked what that tradition was, and she told me a story. A story of how her ancestors were believed to not just come from a certain forest, and weren't just protectors of a forest, but how they grew so connected to the trees and the land that they cared for that eventually they merged and became one. The story goes that they wanted everyone to be closer to nature like they were, so they would invite others to join them. And all who were invited did, and always by their own choice. And those that chose to stay became true forms of themselves. The story was a bit weird, and as she told me about it, she came closer and held out her hand for me to take. I held it and asked what happened. Why did she leave me? We twisted, and I held her in my arms, and we swayed slightly while looking at the mesmerizing grooves in the tree sculpture. Lily said she didn't want me to be a victim. We were so close, and as she spoke to me, I could feel her breath on my skin. I thought I would be slick and give her a peck on the cheek. Instead, when I moved my head to the side to give her a kiss, my lips met hers. They were soft and smooth and tasted very sweet. As soon as our lips touched, I felt her melt into me, and a moment later, she tensed up and apologized. Before I could ask, for what? I fell to the ground. As I collapsed onto the floor, I heard the doors swing open, and... And... I could hear fragments of a conversation. The goth boy had come in and looked furious. He asked what Lily had done. Lily began to scream that it wasn't her fault, that I had kissed her, and she didn't mean or want to do it to me. She said, I swear, Michael, I never wanted this to happen. The goth, who must be Michael, the Michael you're looking for, perhaps. 
was now crouched over me, and as he was touching my face, he looked into my eyes. He said something about how it won't count against her and he wouldn't tell her sisters. Then he got up and let Lily get closer. She thanked him and helped me sit up against the wall. I coughed, and it hurt so badly to cough. As I did so, I felt something scratch my face. I wiped at it, expecting to see blood, but instead I pulled away a twig with leaves. I didn't understand it, and I still don't think I fully understand what was happening, but I remember Lily being there. I wanted to stand, and she helped me to my feet. My chest tightened as I stood upright, and I coughed again. I tried moving my arms to pull away more leaves, but found that I couldn't move them. I looked to my side and saw both my arms were elongating and twisting up and away from me. Lily came up to me and brushed the twigs away. She apologized again, and with tears on her face, she gave me one last kiss. It's funny. Despite not being able to feel anything, I swear, I can still taste her lips on mine. In fact, I think I know what the sweetness reminds me of. Apples. Honey crisp apples. Right then. Okay, I guess I will give this a listening to. Well, it appears you did happen to know where my brother is, huh? I've, I've got to make a phone call.